We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. City WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at letstalkfaith.com. Or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre-recorded. Heaven in this passage of scripture is celebrating the return of Jesus Christ because this is the moment that history has been waiting for. Even the Bible says, even in Romans chapter 8, that the whole creation groans waiting for the redemption of the children of God and of, and of the earth. This is the moment that history has been moving towards for all of eternity, and heaven just breaks into its own hallelujah chorus. However, before the celebration begins, in heaven at least, this earth is going to experience the most difficult and most devastating time of its history. And for that, you need to turn to Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13, and we've been studying Mark 13 for some weeks now. I think this is part five of the series that we've been looking at. Mark 13 reveals how difficult life will be before Jesus Christ returns. And I want to read verses 5 through 27 and take it in in its whole so you see the flow of this. Because these are all signs or birth pains, pangs, pains, labor pains, and signs of Christ's return. And Jesus began to say to them, this is verse 5, See to it that no one misleads you. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and will mislead many. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be frightened. Those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will also be famines. These things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. imagine what that heavenly celebration chorus would sound like. But I'm looking forward to that time. You are listening to Verse by Verse, a biblical teaching program with our teacher, Steve Kreloff. Steve is the pastor of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, and he has been teaching through this series that is titled, Birth Pains for the Kingdom. As overwhelming as this was for the Apostle John to see and to write, it will be even more overwhelming for those who live through it. We have much more to learn about in today's session. So let's jump in and see what Pastor Steve has in store for us. Oh, and if you feel like singing the Hallelujah Chorus, go right ahead. It won't bother the rest of us. Tradition tells us that when the King of England first heard the Hallelujah Chorus from Handel's Messiah, he was so emotionally moved that he actually stood to his feet while it was still being sung. And when he stood, everyone else who was in the audience stood. And that's why even today, people it's a tradition that people stand when the Hallelujah Chorus is sung. 
the Hallelujah Chorus is so moving and so emotional because it, its focus is on the most glorious event and theme of history, and that is the return of Jesus Christ to reign forever. And He shall reign forever and ever. But He has to return first before He can establish His kingdom and, and reign in it. But did you know that just before Jesus returns to the earth, the creatures in heaven... The angels in heaven, those who are in heaven, will break into their own version of the Hallelujah Chorus. And, and that's really where Handel got this concept from. It's in Revelation chapter 19. If you want to turn there, it would be profitable for you. Revelation chapter 19, verse 1. After these things, John says, I heard, as it were, a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, which means praise the Lord, or praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, because His judgments are true and righteous, for He has judged the great harlot who was corrupting the earth with her immorality, and He has avenged the blood of His bondservants on her. The harlot would be uh, a wicked system known as Babylon, and it is the Antichrist wicked system, and also a city. And a second time they said, Hallelujah. Her smoke rises up forever and ever, and the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sits on the throne saying, Amen, Hallelujah. And a voice came from the throne saying, Give praise to our God, all you His bondservants, you who fear Him, the small and the great. And I heard, as it were, a voice of a great multitude and as the sound of many waters and the sound of mighty peals of thunder saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty Reigns. Now, they are rejoicing. Heaven is rejoicing at the defeat of Antichrist's wicked system. And they are rejoicing and praising the Lord in anticipation of the soon coming of Jesus Christ. And that's why when you look at verse 11, you'll see the return of Christ. Powerful language. John says, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat upon it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. And his eyes are a flame of fire, and upon his head are many diadems, that would be crowns. And he has a name written upon him which no one knows except himself. And he is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may smite the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. And he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. In other words, heaven in this passage of Scripture, is celebrating the return of Jesus Christ because this is the moment that history has been waiting for. Even the Bible says, even in Romans chapter 8, that the whole creation groans, waiting for the redemption of the children of God and of, and of the earth. This is the moment that history has been moving towards for all of eternity, and heaven just breaks into its own hallelujah chorus. However, before the celebration begins, in heaven at least, this earth is going to experience the most difficult and most devastating time of its history. And for that, you need to turn to Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13, and we've been studying Mark 13 for some weeks now. I think this is part five of the series that we've been looking at. Mark 13 reveals how difficult life will be before Jesus Christ returns. And I want to read verses 5 through 27 and take it in, a, in its whole so you see the flow of this. 
because these are all signs or birth pains, pangs, pains, labor pains, and signs of Christ's return. And Jesus began to say to them, this is verse 5, See to it that no one misleads you. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and will mislead many. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be frightened. Those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will also be famines. These things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. But be on your guard, for they will deliver you up to the courts, and you will be flogged in the synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. And when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not be anxious beforehand about what you are to say, but say whatever is given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but it is the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver up brother to death, and father his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated on all account, uh, uh, by all on account of my name. But it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where it should not, should not be, let the reader understand, and I take it he means the reader of Daniel, understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let him who is on the housetop not go down or enter in to get anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not turn back to get his cloak. But woe to those who are with child and those who nurse babes in those days. But pray that it may not happen in the winter. For those days will be a time of tribulation such as has not occurred since the beginning of the creation which God created until now and never shall. And unless the Lord had shortened those days, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he, has, whom he has chose, he has shortened the days. And then if anyone says to you, Behold, here is the Christ, or behold, here is, he is there, do not believe him. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show, show signs and wonders in order, if possible, to lead the elect astray. But take heed. Behold, I've told you everything in advance. But in those days and after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers that are in the heavens will be shaken. And, they, and then they shall see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he'll send forth the angels and will gather together his elect from the four winds from the farthest end of the earth to the farthest end of heaven." Now, these verses, for the most part, as I told you a few moments ago, constitute signs. Signs to look for before Jesus returns. Not signs for us, because we're going to be raptured. The church of Jesus Christ is going to be out of here. But those who come to Christ, let's call them tribulation saints, and in this context he's speaking of Hebrew believers, will be able to look for signs. Jesus said, I've told you all these things in advance, and they will have access to the Word of God, and they will be able to look for these signs. And Jesus said, when you see these things, things begin to happen and, and in an intense way, like the birth pains of a, of a woman about to deliver, then you know that my coming is very, very soon. That's interesting to me. I was just reading a magazine recently, in fact, it's called The Everlasting Nation, about Israel. And uh, there was a, a, a brief article in here about uh, signs that some Jewish people are saying indicate that the Messiah's coming is, is very close. So according to the Jerusalem Post, there are some in Israel who are saying that Messiah's coming is imminent because of certain signs. And here are the signs that they think are very, very significant. A decline in morality in Israel. 
crisis in leadership, a general feeling of despair and trouble, the recent Gulf War, the arrival of so many Russian Jews, and I would add to that uh, so many Ethiopian Jews who have been airlifted recently to, to uh, Israel. And there's a quote from Menachem Brad, who is uh, a spokesman for the Habab Hasidim, which is an ultra-Orthodox Jewish group. He said when referring to the Messiah, who he, who he will be, we can't say. We, he also said in order to, keep, to help bring the Messiah, Jews should increase their study of the Torah or the law and to pray to God for the Messiah. That's interesting. It's very interesting. Now, the signs are not the signs that Jesus gave. However, there is a signs type of mentality that at least is going on with some people in Israel. But in the tribulation, Jesus said, laid down certain signs that, that people can look for. What are these signs? Well, first of all, he said in verses 5 and 6, counterfeit messiahs. Some will say, I am he, meaning I am Messiah. And they will deceive some people, not genuine believers, but, but some. There's always been religious quacks, but in the, in the tribulation, there'll just be an onslaught of them. Then there'll be conflict between nations to disrupt peace. The tribulation begins on a peaceful note. At least the world will call it peace. It's really just a truce. And then peace will be taken from the earth, and nation will go up against nation, and there'll be rumors of wars and some real wars, and probably within nations, there'll be ethnic conflicts and so forth. Also, calamities on the earth. There'll be earthquakes, and we've, we have earthquakes now, but it'll be unprecedented. There'll be, uh, there'll be more of them. They'll be greater in intensity. Earthquakes and famines and problems that go along with that. And then from verse 9 on, we read another sign, and this is what we've been focusing on the last few weeks, the contempt for believers. There'll be a tremendous hostility for those who have come to know Christ. There's hatred today, whether you've experienced any physical persecution or not, there's still hatred for believers. And in certain countries, there's actual physical suffering that believers go, go through. Uh, we have not experienced that as yet. We might, but we haven't as yet, for the most part. But there will be a contempt for believers. Believers will be hated, they'll be arrested, and some will be killed. Verse 12 says that they'll even be betrayed by family members. What a horrible thought that is. The love of many will just grow cold, and there'll be that, uh, that, that lack of natural affection as people are consumed with themselves, and some will actually betray family members. And the reason for that is that these family members will be in hiding. These family members will be running away, and they won't want anyone to know where they're hiding, but their family members will know and they'll turn them over to the authorities. It's sort of like what many Jewish people faced during World War II. I know of, uh, of one lady whose father hid out uh, for some time. I can't remember exactly where. I think a chimney or, or uh, some place where he was hiding from the Nazis and uh, someone in town turned him in, I think, for a bottle of vodka. Turned him in. Lost his life. In fact, she lost all of her her family. But that kind of stuff was going on, and it will go on in the tribulation, except it won't just be people in your town who will turn you in. It will actually be family members. That's what Jesus said in verse, in verse 12. You see, it'll be a crime to be a Christian during the tribulation period. 
absolutely a crime to be a Christian, and therefore people will be in hiding. Now the question is, in hiding from, from who, and uh, who will make it a, a crime to love Jesus Christ? Well, that's where verse 14 comes in, and we're just simply reviewing this and bringing you up to, to date so that we can continue and it will make sense to you. Verse 14 says, but when you see the abomination of desolation standing where it should not be, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. The Antichrist, who we don't know who, who he is, he will head up a Western Roman confederation, uh, perhaps the common market in the European community, if not something like that, a revived Roman Empire. He will, at the halfway point in the tribulation period, three and a half years into the tribulation period, he will declare himself as God. And he will break his covenant or his peace treaty with Israel and he will say, now you worship me instead. You stop worshiping Jehovah. You stop the sacrifices from, uh, from going on. And in the temple, which will be rebuilt, he will then declare that everyone is to worship him. When that happens, Jesus said, get out of Jerusalem. Get out of Judea. Judea would be the surrounding area. Jerusalem, the city in that area. And he said, when you see that happen, just flee to the mountains. Don't even go back in your house. Pray that your flight night might not be in winter where the weather would, would, uh, would hinder your movement. And woe to, to, to women who are slowed down with children. He said, listen, when you hear the abomination which makes the temple desolate, which makes the temple abandoned by Israel, then get out of there quickly. You see, when that happens, then the Antichrist is going to start persecuting. He's going to persecute believers, and he will make it a crime. It will be a federal offense. It actually will be an international offense to love Jesus Christ. So when this takes place, verses 15 through 18 uh, tells us just get out of there. If you're in a field, and there are many, even today, many farmers in Israel, don't go back in your house to get your cloak. That is to say, your outer garment, your coat. Just get out. Don't go back and get your toiletries and start packing. It is so serious that you can't waste any time or you might be caught. That's why they're in hiding. The contempt for believers, which is still one sign, verse 19. Verse 19 says, For those days will be a time of tribulation such as has not occurred since the beginning of the creation which God created until now and never shall. What strong language. Let me put it together. Having just told the Jewish believers living in the tribulation that when they see the Antichrist declare himself to be God, they are to get out of Jerusalem and Judea as, as fast as, as possible. Now Jesus in verse 19 explains the reason for such haste. Verse 19 is simply an explanation. Get out of there. Why? Because there will be unparalleled days of torment like Israel has never seen and Israel will never see again. In fact, not just Israel, but the world. But especially the focus of persecution is on Israel and Jewish believers. These days, from the midway point of the tribulation period until the second coming of Christ, which will be three and a half years, will be a time of unparalleled tribulation. That's a fascinating statement. A fascinating statement. In fact... Uh, Revelation 7.14 calls this time period not just the tribulation. When you move the, into the last three and a half years, it takes on another name according to Revelation 7.14 and Matthew's parallel account. It takes on the expression, the great tribulation. 
So theologians often say that the whole seven-year period is the tribulation period, but from the last three and a half years is called the Great Tribulation. It's a fascinating statement about this future time period being unequal, Jesus said, in distress and tribulation, because the Jewish people have suffered so much. One of the things that I do uh, is read books about the, the history of the Jewish people and what they have gone through and still are going through. And that's a fascinating statement because the history of the Jewish people has been suffering. Suffering. And that's not to say other people haven't suffered. But it's just to say that I specifically read up on how my people have suffered. And Jesus said that they'll, they'll never be suffering like this, nor has there been suffering like this. And, 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 and you have to ask yourself some, some questions. Will this time be worse than it was when the Jewish people were exiled in Babylon in 586 B.C.? According to this verse, yes. And that was a terrible time. They actually were, the whole, uh, basically the whole nation was transported. How could there be a worse time than that? But Jesus said it would be worse. Uh, their temple was destroyed. Their city was set on fire. They were exported out. Jesus said it would be worse. Will this time period be worse than the Holocaust by the Nazis? Jewish people today could not imagine that there would be a worse time. Six million Jewish people were exterminated, all for, for one reason, they happened to be Jewish. The Jewish people are still getting over In fact, they'll never get over that. They're still asking questions about that time period. When we had the opportunity to be in uh, Israel a few years ago, we, we went to, uh, in Jerusalem, we went to a museum for the Holocaust victims called Yad Vashem, Yad meaning memorial, memorial to the Holocaust victims. Words cannot describe that museum. But when you leave, you are either in tears, you are stunned, and uh, you are just silent. There is nothing to say when you leave. And you, you, see, uh, you see things, you hear things. Most people just break down and, and weep. It is, it is a touching, touching experience. Jesus said that the last three and a half years of the tribulation will be worse. Hard to imagine, but that's what Scripture says. Will this time be worse than when Titus and the Romans destroyed Jerusalem in 70 A.D.? That was a devastating time. Devastating time. You know how devastating it was? We have a quote from the Jewish historian Josephus who recorded the horrors of the fall of Jerusalem in 70 AD. You see, Josephus was captured and, and traveled with the Romans, and that's why he gives us so, uh, so much in his history books. Uh, Josephus recorded uh, for us, though he was Jewish, he recorded for us and was allowed to live because he traveled with the Romans. He was really a war correspondent, some believe a traitor, but uh, nonetheless, we have down here the horrors of the fall of the temple in Jerusalem in 70 AD. Here's what he said, and this is only one small portion of what he wrote. The roofs were thronged with famished women, with babes in arms, and the alleys with corpses of the elderly. Children and young people swollen from starvation roamed like phantoms through the marketplaces and collapsed wherever their doom overtook them. See, they were starved out. Rome just built a hedge around them, and they were starved out. But there was no lamenting or wailing because famine had strangled their emotions. Jerusalem could not bury all the bodies, so they, they uh, were flung over the wall. The silence was broken only by the laughter of robbers stripping the bodies. Terrible time. Jesus said, the tribulation period 
will be worse. So regardless of what the Jewish people have faced up to this point in history, the worst is yet to come. And to prove how, how horrible this time will be, not just upon Israel, but the whole world, Jesus makes a remarkable statement in verse 20. And he said, And unless the Lord had shortened those days, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he is chose, whom he chose rather, he shortened the days. These days will be so incredibly terrible, so incredibly terrible, that if God didn't cut them short and limit them to just three and a half years, Jesus said no one would survive. I tried to picture in my mind what it must have been like in Jerusalem during the siege of the Romans. I can't picture it. And then to hear Pastor Steve say that for Israel, what they will face in the tribulation will be worse, far worse. Wow. You've been listening to a very sobering verse-by-verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff. He's the pastor of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. As we come to the end of our program today, I'm impressed with the grace of God. As we will hear next time, Jesus said that the days of the tribulation will be measured. If not, everyone on earth would die. What's our takeaway from this? God's love for humans is extreme. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Father, help us to see those around us with your eyes and show us how to share the gospel with them. Please join us next time for Verse by Verse. 